0: Stephanie
1: and this is Brian. Welcome to our podcast,
0: the making and the remaking of a codependent mind.
1: So this week, like we talked about in the beginning of the last couple episodes, we wanted to do an episode where we answered some questions that we got from listeners. Uh, So first of all, thank you so much for those of you who did send in some questions. uh, We really appreciate getting any kind of feedback from people. It's, It's fun to interact. It's good to know that people are finding the podcast helpful. And uh, so feedback is great for that.
0: So we're going to start with one question that actually you should probably read since this was kind of directed at me.
1: Sure. Yeah, it uses you. uh... So here was the question. It says, was there ever a time you felt like the investment in helping Brian break through his trauma was too much for you or not healthy for you?
0: The most challenging, probably, emotion that came up, and I suspect this is not unusual, was the potential for shame. Uh, hmm. So there's the question of, do I want to stay in this relationship? Whenever I ask myself that question between you and I, the answer was always yes. Yeah, I wanted to be with you. I was in love with you. I felt a very strong connection to you. But then there's this nagging question, like the little devil sitting on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Should you stay in this relationship? Yeah, sure. Are you a fool for staying in yeah, this relationship? Yeah. Are
1: you being true to yourself? Are you honoring yourself by allowing certain things or allowing
0: certain behaviors, mm-hmm. tolerating certain behaviors. And you know, so this is that kind of the shame, the internal judgment, you yeah. know, are am I am I weak? Am uh-huh. I foolish? Yeah. for staying in this relationship? Am I being made a fool of? Those that's a very challenging feeling yeah. Yeah. to grapple with. And this that feeling came out of these situations where more of your behavior was being revealed including past behavior yeah right that was hurtful to me and there were moments of where i felt betrayed um and i think that's a moment where a lot of people struggle about do i leave or do i go what does it mean if i stay about m- me yeah right <laughs> so for instance i think a lot of people deal with that when there's sexual infidelity there wasn't in in our relationship but it's interesting because a lot of people Treat cheating <laughs> as only meaning someone had sex with someone else.
1: Yeah, right. Sexual infidelity is really mm-hmm. the yeah the, the pinnacle of 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 betrayal. Betrayal. Right?
0: Yeah, where there's just like there's a lot of ways that mm-hmm. people betray each other yeah, in absolutely. relationships.
1: Yeah, that can be much worse than sexual repair, betrayal, even. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So yeah, when those when when I felt betrayed, I felt one this potential for shame mm-hmm. that I was. Being made a fool of, and that yeah. that might happen again. Right. It was also it was challenging to see how you could repair that trust when you yourself were struggling to trust yourself.
1: Yes, exactly. Right. I think that's a good way to put it. Right. Yeah. How are you supposed to trust me when I don't trust me? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm my my brain is just stuck in this one particular period when I'm thinking when we're talking about this. It was just the early period mm-hmm. before really before my. Our daily conversations or just when they were getting started really mm-hmm. and i hadn't started doing the writing yet and everything almost all of this knowledge was not really known yet really unclear all these behaviors are coming out and we didn't even really recognize the behaviors and know what they were so it was kind of like i feel like there was this period of a couple months where well maybe longer where things got worse before they got better right they got more difficult Because then it's like, oh, geez, that's what was going on there? That's even worse than I thought.
0: And you would not be able to explain it.
1: Yeah, right. So that compounds it. That makes it even worse.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you would be very reassuring that you love me and that you were committed. And that that behavior was not reflective of what you actually felt and thought and wanted. Right. But you couldn't say, okay, well, what was it reflective of? And What was going
1: on? That's what was so difficult for me because those things, those reassuring things I said, I believed those to my core. I, Mm -hmm. I, so it's like, yes, no, I know, but yeah. And so then when these trauma triggers are happening, which I didn't even understand or know were happening. And then when I went into freeze mode, which I didn't even understand either, like, what is this? You know? So I'm confused. Like I'm, I'm getting triggered, a shame trigger or something, whatever, a trauma trigger. Like say you're expressing some kind of anger, some kind of emotion that I had trouble dealing with mm-hmm. and it sent me back into my abuse period as if I was being abused and now I'm frozen and then you're wanting something. You're wanting some kind of reassurance. You're wanting me to say something that explains a particular thing from the past or, or recent past or... and. And I can't because I'm in freeze, and mm-hmm. then and then the best I can do is try to get out of freeze. Start try to get out of the shame. So I try to say whatever I can to just get out of shame. Not try to actually answer the question, or it's just like, wow, what do I need to do to stop feeling what I'm feeling right now? And then it because it's obvious that that's what I'm doing, kind of. <laughs> Again, but it was very it was very messy because neither one of us knew this was happening,
0: and it really had to get to that point that point where. You know, we had one particular. I mean, it wasn't really so much a fight, right? It was just mm-hmm. a disruption <laughs> yeah. in the force of our relationship. Yeah, where I was really in a frame of mind was I. Can, I don't know how to trust this person. Yeah, and if I can't trust this person, how do I stay? Right.
1: I think I remember what you're talking about, yes. and I remember there being words like "I don't know if you're capable of this," something mm-hmm. along those lines,
0: and. That was the kind of rubber hits the road moment for both of us. But I think particularly for you, Mm. at that point, you were like, okay, 100%. I'm doing this. I'm figuring this out.
1: Yeah, right.
0: I can't delay anymore. You had some delaying tactics. You had some tactics. Oh, I'll just read this book.
1: Yeah, we'll talk about it after we read this book. Yeah, wait till I'm done with it. (laughs) You know, you would
0: You know, you would push conversations, Mm -hmm. kick them down the road. Mm -hmm. So... But at that point you were you were like, No, I'm gonna do this. Yeah, you, that's almost kind of when you started your daily work. Right. Um, you know, we looked for a therapist together. And it was and I guess it was for me too, kind of the rubber hits road. Mm-hmm. because before that I was certainly kind of advocating for myself and asking the questions I want to ask, but maybe not going too far. Yeah. you know i was always right. you know because i would see you again this you know i would pull back when mm-hmm. I, it became clear that maybe you we were in a conversation that you couldn't handle yeah and at that point it was like well i can't do that like i i yeah, need you can to do that, definitely <laughs> right i need the answers that i need yeah. to know if this is going to work mm-hmm. or, or not so and it was around that time w- one you started committed to almost daily work mm-hmm. reflection and the conversation yeah. and then also we discovered the codependency and narcissism connection there were
1: these little breakthroughs like that that was like oh my god this mm-hmm. gave me a ton of material to it work did with. Yeah. yeah
0: so that made your two prior romantic relationships make a whole lot more sense mm-hmm. to both mm-hmm. of us which was very helpful yeah. because there that was still was, a lot of work
1: to do as yeah. far as like okay well why was I, why did I stay there beyond just other things going on there?
0: Yeah, it yeah. had to be fleshed out, but it was like really a map for yeah. helping us navigate that, yeah. those conversations. And then also, you know, co- the codependency itself w- was mm-hmm. helpful in that it depersonalized it a little bit for me. Yeah, so sure. it wasn't that this was directed at me or a product of our relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, this was a phenomenon that a lot of people found themselves stuck in and and there was a pathway out of it, and we talked about it as being kind of somewhat like alcoholism or drug addiction. So that's where we started talking about the codependent Brian and the the authentic yeah. Brian. Is that most of the behaviors that would I felt hurtful or had a sense of betrayal happened when you your codependent habits were triggered and activated? Yeah. So almost like you were under. The influence of alcohol or drugs—you yeah. <laughs> were not behaving as your authentic self.
1: Yeah, and it may look and feel to you as though I'm choosing this behavior over you. Right. You like know? sometimes
0: yeah. it feels—I'm sure to people, family, and, and loved ones of alcoholics or drug addicts—that they're choosing alcohol mm-hmm. or drugs over them. But yeah. you know, no, no one in, in their right mind, as you would say, would <laughs> yeah. choose a life of addiction or choose a life of codependency. Yeah,
1: you're not like really literally sitting there and going, you know what? Now I'm I'm going to choose this instead, mm-hmm. just because. It's more important to me to be codependent than it is to be in a loving relationship. Because I really need this behavior to survive. This is all just subconscious, Mm -hmm. reflexive, habitual habitual behaviors.
0: So once those things happened, the daily commitment to reflection and conversation and the increased understanding that came from our readings about codependency and narcissism and conversations, Mm -hmm. I don't really think I had moments of, oh, shit. Should I stay in this relationship? Yeah. It was certainly yeah. still there were some hard times and painful yeah. Yeah, and uncomfortable yeah. times
1: for for a, a good period of time. Yeah, from there, yeah.
0: But there wasn't as much of an existential threat when those yeah. when those times came up.
1: Mm-hmm. I I think for me I had at least for you know this this period that we're talking about where the daily work started I had some especially difficult times those first couple of months Mm -hmm. because as much as I felt as though I was starting to discover things and learn things I didn't feel like I was making progress fast enough Um, and we'd have certain conversations where it would kind of be recurring conversations and and I was still having this thing that I that I did before all this work started where I'd be like ah I thought we had a good conversation about that like
0: why are we talking about this whatever. again? Like, yeah, I don't.
1: I don't know if I can handle talking about this again. I, mm-hmm. And why do I have to talk about this again? Mm-hmm. I, it's it as though like you weren't recognizing the progress that I was making or something. I was just like making it way too personal, as far as kind of the the flip side of you taking personally the codependent behaviors. I was taking personally you not recognizing that I was. Even though in these moments when I look back on them, like it's perfectly valid that you were just asking for. Continued conversation. It's not like we have a conversation and that's it and we're never going to talk about that thing again.
0: Like, yeah. And then I'm 100% reassured and 100% yeah. trust restored. Like,
1: there, I found the perfect explanation. We're moving <laughs> we're, on.
0: We're moving on. You, yeah. You didn't recognize that we were probably going to have many of these conversations <laughs> for the rest yeah. of our lives. Yeah. And that trust takes a long time to be restored. And yeah. part, I mean, a huge part of trust is consistency, right? Yeah. Is that we have that conversation over and over again. Yeah. And then.
1: It doesn't keep, keep changing or something. It
0: doesn't keep... The story doesn't keep changing because that's right. what happened a lot yeah, during those those months is that the story would keep changing. Yeah, because it'd you, be
1: like, oh, this explanation makes mm-hmm. more sense. Because, you know, a lot of that stuff, since I didn't have the knowledge, it's just like, what sounds right? In the moment, right. You know? Yeah. yeah.
0: And, and and we've talked about in other episodes. So I might hear a different story. Even before you start doing the work, mm-hmm. I would hear a different story about certain situations depending on what was the path of the least shame <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah yeah right or what made the the end of the conversation feel most satisfying to me or whatever like mm-hmm. your reaction right like, uh, oh you seemed very happy with Consented that them. With, right that explanation, that
0: yeah and then that was a period too where we talked about compartmentalization you were opening all these compartments Mm -hmm. and you yourself would sometimes be shocked as to what you had said or done in certain moments that we had no memory of
1: yeah because you know one of the things being like i had no idea how dishonest of a person i was i thought you know in general sometimes i you know lied by accident or Mm -hmm, whatever mm -hmm. but then yeah we'd look back through a text record or something and i go like oh my god no i was that was a lie right there that hmm i i don't remember lying right
0: (laughs) Yeah, anywhere from that was a lie to like, oh yeah, I was really misrepresenting that yeah. situation, yeah. and then, uh, mm-hmm. so this is where you struggling to trust yourself came up as well, and and I think that was part of it, right? So you would tell me a story, you would ne- you needed me to trust you before you could trust yourself, yeah, kind and of, I right. needed you to trust yourself yeah. before I could trust. That's you. That's a good
1: way to put it. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what it felt like, and and that went on for a good chunk of time. So yeah, I think like you, I didn't have you know after a little while passed i didn't have so many existential feelings but then but i still didn't understand my trauma triggers and stuff like that so when you felt when you expressed disappointment mm-hmm. or uh, you know it triggered that was one of my triggers right someone being angry or upset or d- mm-hmm. distrustful or mm-hmm. you know disappointed or something so yeah that would send me into a trigger mode for a very long time these these conversations were very hard and and a little bit existential feeling Mm-hmm. Even if I didn't, wasn't literally thinking of it that way. Well,
0: let's, since you bring up trauma trigger, let's go to um, yeah the next question, which is, how do you take the power back from the other side of a trigger? How do you stand against those negative feelings?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, trauma triggers and just triggers in general are it's a it's a great topic. We've talked about it several times throughout this series, but seeing that question made me think, yeah, I mean, spending a little more time talking about how that felt and, and the types of things I've done to get through those is, is a valuable thing, I think, because, yeah, they're very difficult to deal with, especially when you don't know it's happening, mm-hmm. right, and, and so back, you know, rewind back to, again to the, these early days that we we're talking about, not even having that language, not even knowing, first of all, not even using the word trauma. I kind of somewhat knew my past history and and that bad things happened to me but <clears throat> didn't understand that it was trauma and what trauma can cause.
0: So that was the really the first step. <laughs> yeah. It's really recognizing your trauma. Exactly. And then understanding what was happened to you when that trauma was being triggered. Yeah. But even when you had that understanding, I'm sure it was, it was difficult to manage. So yeah. how did you manage right. your way through those, especially those early times when you knew your, your trauma was being triggered, but nevertheless, the mm-hmm. feelings were still there.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, but like you said, the first step was just understanding that that was happening at all and what can happen when that happens. So mm-hmm. so when it does happen, I have a little bit of a, of a frame of reference. You know, mm-hmm. it's not, I'm not just feeling extremely anxious and, and can't speak and, and mm-hmm. I have no idea why. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that I do then now when, I, and cause these still happen, obviously shame gets triggered. Um, cause I have a lot of things from my past that I was carrying shame about. I'm not necessarily still carrying that shame, but there were lots of things that can remind me of that shame right. and it can feel similar. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, like when, you know, I was talking about, we were going on a walk talking about the Shame episode that we did, shame venting, the yeah. shame venting episode, and uh, and I was feeling a lot of shame just having those conversations, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so the first thing though is just when I start to feel those feelings, which I've now identified, um, this kind of anxiety, I'm feeling attacked, I'm feeling like I'm under attack or something. Feeling I know that that's that's a trigger feeling, mm-hmm. then. So, first of all, I'm just acknowledging the feeling, that's the most important thing, I think, for me has been is is just acknowledging that I'm having that feeling. Maybe I need to say something out loud or maybe I don't, but like... It's, and
0: sometimes you would. Uh, yeah, I've said n- it Not so loud. much anymore, but yeah, kind of I think when you were first getting used to mm-hmm. managing your way through those feelings, you would say, I'm feeling triggered. Yeah. And just so we would take a, a pause.
1: Which I can really, you know, and the reason why I was I felt as though I could do that with you is because I already kind of had this blanket. I've cu- I came to learn that pretty much across the board, these triggers were false signals Mm -hmm. with us. We were a safe space. You were a safe space, just not in the way of like, oh, I can do no wrong. This relationship can do, you can do no wrong. You're never going to be You're never going to say anything hurtful ever. Yeah. But the the chances are, this is a trauma trigger. And uh, so early on when I, yeah, when I was starting to feel those and it was really intense, I would say, okay, I'm feeling triggered here. Like let's take a pause kind of.
0: And I think it's important to say that it was it was always a pause it was never so we're not going to have this conversation right
1: <laughs> yeah
0: or we're not going to be in this situation again mm-hmm. it was just literally a pause until you could physically and emotionally just feel a little more myself. safe yeah
1: yeah and so and and i feel like cause part of what's built in has been built in with these trauma triggers for me is that it does this kind of snowball thing where say i'm feeling anger from you or i'm feeling disappointment from you or something And then that compounds itself because then now if I'm in freeze and then I'm making it worse by not continuing the conversation or not. So now I feel your distrust from Mm -hmm. the fact that I can't answer this question that you asked or can't continue this conversation or now it looks like I don't know the answer or it's like, why? Why don't you know the answer to this? Are you with are you holding something back? Like it's almost if you
0: struggle against the trigger, it mm -hmm. makes it worse. Yeah, exactly. If you just acknowledge that it's happening. Yeah and just allow it to, it's kind of like physical pain, right? If you mm-hmm. struggle against the physical pain, you, and often the recommendation is just acknowledge that it's happening, breathe through it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. so shame being the biggest one. And so we've talked about this a few times where it's uh, part of my recovery, allowing myself to feel shame, to sit with shame, and, and then figure out, is it legitimate? Mm-hmm. What, where's it coming from? Is there something I need to do about it? Because if I couldn't just sit with it for more than five seconds, I'm not going to ask the right questions and I'm not going to do anything that I'm supposed to do to resolve it. Other than I'm just all I'm going to do is going to try to avoid it. So I I go into freeze and then I follow with some kind of shot in the dark, dishonest comment to try Mm -hmm. to diffuse my shame and diffuse you, your disappointment or anger or whatever it is.
0: You just activate your codependent behaviors. Yeah. And we talked about this in the healing from codependency, breaking the codependency habit, mm-hmm. or maybe it was an early one. <laughs> Just the idea that it was almost like like weightlifting, right? Like you build up the capacity. Yeah. You get more confident in yourself mm-hmm. so that when that comes along, you don't go into freeze, mood, freeze yeah. mode. Yeah. You're not, okay, well, this, this is going to be unpleasant, but I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> I can get through it.
1: Yeah. Yeah because this person that asked this question gave a really good detailed story of 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 an example of of when that happened to this to this person mm-hmm. and 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 that's exactly how it happens with me is this is this kind of shame from the shame or shame well, from yeah, the trigger Yeah so then you're you're
0: feeling like shame you're feeling shame that you're triggered yeah. which is is the wrong kind of shame because yeah. there's nothing wrong there's nothing wrong with being hurt yeah or feeling weak in a moment it's so interesting the way that I think shame is so tied to feeling weak and powerless and helpless mm-hmm. in really unhelpful ways. Yeah, I, I'm thinking. Just recently, uh, we were playing pickleball. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I did something you're not know supposed to do. I ran backwards and I fell backwards and mm. like landed on my butt and on, then on my back, and you know it was very painful. And, you know, we were surrounded by people everyone starts to come over and I just felt this wave of shame. Yeah. So I'm in pain. Right. So like people coming to help me Mm -hmm. should feel good. Right. But what I wanted is like, no, get away. Like, don't look at me. Right. (laughs) And I think I've felt that before. You know, when we trip in public or Mm -hmm. something, it's just Mm -hmm. it's worse than embarrassment. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. So I think it is more like shame, like being seen as weak and powerless Mm -hmm. and unable to care for yourself can be really a painful feeling to feel. So I think, you know, there can be this tendency if you're triggered to, to try to disguise or struggle against that because you're ashamed that you were triggered, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, that story you told is, is a great example of of being able to see how people handle those kind of situations. And some people obviously don't handle it very well. Like what my dad pops into my mind mm-hmm. is when he injured himself, he would get extremely angry <laughs> at himself, basically. But it, I could tell it was like a shame trigger. You know, he was right. feeling embarrassed. Yeah, so now he he's, his he's swearing and, so, and yeah, his, he's his
0: anger yeah. and, right, is almost to, to deflect mm-hmm. anyone else's.
1: Yeah, don't don't shame me. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do shame, that. Right. You know, I'm I'm gonna take care of the the shame part of this here. So no
0: no easy answer. <laughs> no. And taking just take practice as well.
1: Right. So as far as like taking the power back, yeah, that's a. It, it's really just getting through it is taking the power back, mm-hmm. allowing yourself to feel the things and acknowledge it and move through it and resolve it the way that feels right.
0: And I, I, you know, hopefully feeling proud of yourself. Yeah. Because these are painful emotions. Right. That you and made it through another one. Right? You made it through, like you lifted the heavy weight, mm-hmm. and and it's going to get easier over time. So I think the the last question we have time for in this mm-hmm. episode.
1: Yes, we may do another. We episode may do with another. Um,
0: we got a, a number of questions about resources mm-hmm. in terms of what kind of resources would we recommend or what kind of resources did we use.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a tough one to answer. It's so. a little
0: bit cuz there wasn't actually a lot. So yeah. there is we mentioned I think before or if we if we haven't we should mention now one book on trauma called The Body Keeps the Score: Brain, Mind, and the Body in the Healing of Trauma. Yeah. I actually read this book further along. We had already read things on the web about trauma. Yeah. But I would certainly recommend it to anyone wherever they are in their healing journey. When I read it, it was a nice kind of confirmation, actually, about a lot of the things that we had discussed and discovered about your own experience. Yeah, and it and it was you know almost every page it was like, yep, Brian, yep, Brian, Brian, uh-huh. Brian, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is I think is always helpful seeing your experience represented in someone else's experience.
1: Yeah, so how it gets stored and 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 so just good very, explanations yeah, very, of of trauma triggers.
0: Yeah, I think it was one of the f- initial. Books to kind of kick off this really investigation of trauma, the effect that it has, the lingering effect that it has on the body and the brain and the yeah. emotional system throughout one's life. So that's one actual book <laughs> that mm-hmm. we would recommend. Mm-hmm. You read a, a couple of relationship books early on, but I don't yeah. think they were particularly helpful.
1: Mm, yeah, no. I mean, I, yeah. And I was doing that during this period we were talking about earlier about uh, where I was. it was kind of a stalling tactic Mm -hmm. for me like just because of the way I did it more or less like I was like I'm gonna get something out of this and but I didn't feel prepared to talk about it every night or day or anything either it's like I wanted to read this entire book highlight and then (laughs) maybe talk about some of my highlights or something and
0: those books are really geared towards people in functional relationships that had become disconnected from each other yeah not in relationships where they were pretty severe behavior disorders.
1: Yeah, right.
0: So, for instance, your p- previous two relationships where there was abuse and narcissism <laughs> and codependency. Yeah, so
1: reading books uh, that, that are giving tips on healthy relationships when the, the whole entire relationship is kind of null and void because of mm-hmm. it, this, these power imbalances and abuse and stuff like that. It's just like, oh, this whole thing. This First, just get out of the relationship. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> then maybe start thinking about what healthy relationships look like, you know.
0: Although we did listen... A lot to, together, Esther Perel's podcast, Where mm-hmm. Should We Begin? Yeah. We've mentioned this podcast before. She's a relationship therapist. Mm-hmm. And the podcast is a therapy session with couples. And it, these are largely, quote unquote, healthy couples. Yeah. But it. I think it did help us. It gave us a lot of language yeah. to talk about our relationship. Yeah. You know, in talking about the, the other people's relationship, it was kind of a safer way also to talk about dynamics within our relationship. Yeah, sure. So We that, always found something to relate to in absolutely. every episode. Yeah, so that was helpful. Yeah. So I don't know if that was particularly directly helpful to your healing, but it I think it gave both of us, but especially you, some confidence mm-hmm. in the way that you approached our relationship.
1: Yeah, right. Well... One thing, kind of an indirect way that it helped my situation was we we would listen to it while driving, you know, usually to camping trips, and and uh, I would get very anxious. This was before I knew about right, trauma yeah. triggers and stuff like that because I knew a conversation was going to follow <laughs> and it was going to be difficult mm-hmm. because really back then every conversation that involved relationship our relationship or or just anything that wasn't just um, talking about benign things was difficult for me right and Intim- intimacy was difficult and intimacy yeah. and vulnerability and mm-hmm. so yeah but we kept doing it and i kept saying no this is good like i knew it was good somehow like i needed to be doing this and so it was helpful and every time we finished one of those conversations it was just like okay yes
0: yeah and yeah. Then you yeah. felt that you felt that you know after you felt that high after a good workout where you're yeah. <laughs> like, Oh, I did it. You yeah, know, I, right. I got through and
1: I produced something. I
0: think probably both of us would agree though. This is the biggest resource really has been your story.
1: Yeah. Right. Well, mm-hmm. in our conversations, us, mm-hmm. our, yeah. so the first thing that pops in my head when I hear this question is human interaction, that's the biggest Absolutely. resource, yeah. you know, right. because it's fine to go, okay, there's some good books out there, read these books, but I wasn't going to heal on my own because my brain was where the damage was, you know? So I'm not going to just sit there by myself and figure this out really necessarily.
0: The combination of you writing, which gave us a lot of material to mm-hmm. talk about. So, I mean, you would write about a certain part of your life, your childhood, the the relationship with G, or, you know, subsequent friendships, your mm-hmm. relationship with R and J, you would, you know, you would do a passage of writing and yeah. then we would talk about that. Yeah. There was a lot of material there yeah, right. for the conversation. We just didn't sit down and... And okay, what are we going to talk about tonight? Like you yeah. had done this reflection right. and then you would talk about, you know, what your understanding was. And I would ask questions and maybe uh, challenge some stuff or maybe add some some insights into mm-hmm. comparing it to, to my past or other relationships I've had. So your, your commitment to really going into your past and trying to document it and rewrite it in a more way. Yeah. And your generosity in sharing that with me, I think were really key to it
1: moving was, forward. It, it gave me a lot of confidence and momentum also, because I remember in the earliest days, you brought up every relationship mm-hmm. conversation. Yeah. Uh, I didn't bring up any, and I try, actively tried to avoid some, some topics, and now that I was you said use the word reflection that's what i called it back then reflection hour cuz i did it at the very end of my work day before we had our our cocktail hour i'd be writing for an hour and then we'd get together and then i i would start the conversations and based on what i was writing about and that felt really good and that felt good for both of us i think it's like it okay i'm fine like i'm i can do this i, mm-hmm. I can talk about these things
0: yeah you 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 can be a partner in this mm-hmm. in this relationship
1: and then the amount of conversations that we had gave us the, momentum too just like wow we're really we're really getting we're figuring this out because i was thinking like i can't imagine only doing this like once a week or something like that and it just know, it's hard i mean that's
0: what's available to a lot of people yeah, in terms right. of therapy but th- that's certainly that's better than just trying to try figure it out on your own right uh, we should probably mention coda
1: sure CODA COD codependence kind of, anonymous yeah because
0: a lot of people go there
1: mm-hmm. yeah as far as a resource i mean
0: you went there once. I
1: went there once. Yeah. I, I probably would have gone more if it was closer. I think it was like 45 minutes or an hour to drive to. And, it and
0: when and when was this again? Like what? This,
1: so this was way back. This was actually in between the R&J relationships. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's when I tried that cuz I was going to this, this kind of group therapy thing and and the topic of codependency came up one night. So mm-hmm. it was this kind of group therapy thing where it was just like they started with a topic and and then the whole session was discussing this topic and codependency came up and I had heard this term before it, that friend that I talked about that where right, it was a good friendship uh, but we were both disordered mm-hmm. um, that word came up but it was complete lack of understanding. we were misusing the word and so I just let it go because it didn't make any sense. And the mm-hmm. same thing happened really during this group therapy thing because I the way it was explained didn't resonate with me right I didn't understand myself enough for it to really connect but when i went to the meetings cuz i we talked about how i went to uh, aa meetings also mm-hmm. i really didn't like the format i didn't like the steps necessarily like i understand the appeal of having like steps like oh just do these things right. and then this will happen you'll you know? be healed but this kind of one size fits all thing is tricky so that's why i think i like the format of our podcast where we're just talking about experiences as opposed to like do this then this will probably help you
0: but you did say which is uh, which is kind of funny that you like the people at the code of meeting, yeah. code of meeting more than you like the people I know. at the AA so this meeting is a,
1: and I had no idea why at the time right but because codependent people are agreeable they're nicer people <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you, you in reflection you were, you, you were speculating obviously that a lot of the AA people seem to have lots of narcissistic yeah, traits
1: yeah for sure I mean this is it's and, you know, again, of course, I didn't understand narcissism at the time. But, yeah, looking back and, and thinking about a lot of people that I was in contact with, or were the people that were most vocal right, in those meetings. And those are the only people you heard. So I think a lot of people probably got turned off from the mm-hmm. program because they'd go to a meeting and go, oh, my God, these 10 assholes are the only ones talking. And it's like, well, how am I going to heal when these people are literally messed up, you know? And but in the
0: CODA meeting, everyone was like, yeah, oh, no, you go. No, you go. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. The
1: thing that I think is great, like I said, is the human connection. Right. So I think that's what makes all of these things really work is getting together with a group of people and talking about things.
0: And we've talked about how kind of terrible, almost tragic it is that when your trauma happens within interpersonal relationships. Mm-hmm when that's the source of the damage and the hurt, it makes it even more difficult right. to be with people because other people are a source of fear and shame.
1: Yeah, it's this kind of self-perpetuating mm-hmm. problem.
0: So yeah. it does seem like code of meetings might be a place where you can meet safe people. Yeah. <laughs> and start to feel safe. Again yeah, in except inter- the hope, hope is that
1: there are some people in there that have actually come out the other side and are mm-hmm. going to help people at that point. And, right. and it's not just a bunch of people that are recognizing they're codependent but not knowing what to do about it and then just hoping that these steps are going to somehow help them because the steps i don't love i mean i really don't for me personally powerlessness was like one of my biggest problems Mm -hmm. and step one of all these programs is i am powerless (laughs) and i would need to give my power over to some other (laughs) thing that's more powerful whatever that is god other people whatever it is but that's the last thing I needed to do. Absolutely. I already did that. You did. You my gave it over life, to I'm nurses. My i all of my power over <laughs> to everyone else around me, mm-hmm. and that was not helping me. It was not serving me. So, mm-hmm. a, a, a program where step one is give away all your power, like that's admit that you're paralyzed. I know. <laughs> admit, no, yeah, sure, I'm paralyzed. Yeah, yeah, great. You know, <laughs> power over everything about you know mm-hmm. in my entire life. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think parts of me felt that when I went to those meetings, but didn't have this language or whatever. So, but I definitely did enjoy when I connected with people. I mean, that's, that's the main thing is to connect with people. I think the biggest resource, just make sure those are the right people. Make sure that these are good people that are, that you can offer something to, and they can offer you.
0: That deserve you, that deserve your trust, that deserve your time, that deserve your attention. I think that's all we have time for today, as they say. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So maybe we'll do this again in the future. If this turned out to be a valuable episode framework. Uh, so let us know. <laughs> and yeah. also, as we have said, we really appreciate follows and, and likes and reviews on the podcast platforms. That's helpful for us and for other people to find the podcast. You'll hear from us again in a couple of weeks.